This Christmas season, David Jeremiah and Turning Point Productions present Why the Nativity, a docudrama film that will take you on a thought-provoking journey surrounding the most pivotal moment in human history, the birth of Jesus Christ. Experience the sights and sounds of that first Christmas as Dr. Jeremiah provides a fascinating presentation of biblical history paired with dramatic reenactments. Watch Why the Nativity completely free and find it everywhere it is available by going to whythenativity.org. That's whythenativity.org. Welcome to Turning Point. In a culture that sees Christmas as little more than a commercial event, it's vital not to forget its real meaning. Today, Dr. David Jeremiah begins the series, Why the Nativity? To get back to the heart of the Christmas story and answer questions many people have about what it really means. To introduce the first message, Why Did Jesus Become a Man? Here's David. And you heard the announcement about the movie that's coming out very soon. Uh, That movie is based on the material we're going to talk about during the month of December because that movie came from the book called Why the Nativity. Today we're going to talk about one of the first questions that people ask about Christmas. And here it is. Why did Jesus ever become a man? Why was that important? And why is that at the heart of Christmas? We'll get there in just a moment. But first... Every year during this month, we make available a very special gift for those of you who will help us with the year-end investment in this ministry. That year-end resource is the beautiful devotional. This year, it's called Moments with God, 392 pages, soft leather cover, gift book size, devotional readings for every day in the coming year. You will love this, and uh, everybody who ever gets one of these wants to know how they can get some more, and you can go to our website and find that out as well. But here's what I want you to know. For your copy of Moments with God, during the month of December, you need to send a gift to Turning Point. When you send your gift, make it your best year-end gift and say, please send me my copy of Moments with God. It's shrink-wrapped, ready to be sent right away. As soon as we hear from you, let's make this a great year end as we close out 2022. Well, here's part one of the first question. Why did Jesus become a man? Well, as the moon lit the treetops and the evening breeze cooled her skin, Mary rested quietly, renewing her strength. She gazed in wonder at the tiny living gift that she held in her arms. Any child, of course, is a miracle from heaven, but the firstborn in particular. (laughs) Even so, Mary understood that the child she held was set apart from any other that had ever been born in the history of the world. She knew what the angel had told her and what her heart had confirmed. Here at my breast, she thought, is the Son of God. Those are the very words, the very designation that the angel had given her, Son of God. Yet surely she couldn't have been so much different than the rest of us. She must have asked some questions too. Surely in the mind of Mary on that day was the word why. Why had Jesus come to this earth? Why had she been chosen as the vessel to bring him into humanity. Why was God becoming a man? What purpose could there possibly be in such an unprecedented event? Why the nativity? While some of the answers 
to those questions appear in the gospel records of the scripture. It takes all of the Bible to even get close to a full understanding. Today, I want to begin unpacking some of the reasons I have discovered in answering that question. Why the nativity? Why was Jesus sent to this earth? Why did Jesus become a man? Why? Here are what I believe to be the five most important reasons for Jesus becoming a man. First of all, Jesus became a man to satisfy the prophecies of the Old Testament. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 44, we read, and these are the words of Jesus, all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. That's what Jesus said. Now Jesus said this to the two on the road to Emmaus who had just come out of Jerusalem and were discussing what had happened in the death of Christ and did not know that he had come back from the grave. And as Jesus began to talk with them, Jesus responded to them, and it says here that Jesus said, all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. When Jesus made that statement, he encompassed the entire Old Testament. The prophets, the law, and the Psalms were the Old Testament as they were spoken of in that day. And what Jesus said was this, that everything that had been said about him in the Old Testament, all of it had to be fulfilled in his coming. These words recorded by Luke remind us that when Jesus came to this earth to be our Savior, when God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, one of the reasons he came was to satisfy all of the prophecies that had been made concerning him in the Old Testament. Do you realize that it would be almost possible to write a complete Christology of Jesus Christ using only the Old Testament prophecies concerning him? The Old Testament prophets spoke frequently about a coming champion. Every page from Genesis to Malachi trembles with the wondrous anticipation of the coming of this champion. The prophetic books were written by many different writers at various times over many centuries. And yet together throughout the words of the prophets, there were glimmers of a savior, a king who would rescue his people and restore them to God. The prophets spoke of this one who was to come. In fact, there were more than 300 specific prophecies in the Hebrew scriptures about the promised Messiah. The hints were tantalizing. Isaiah said, that this special deliverer would be miraculously born of a virgin and that his name would be called Emmanuel. Isaiah wrote this not one year before it happened, not 10 years, but hundreds of years before it took place. In the words of Isaiah 7:14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you will call his name Emmanuel. Hundreds of years before that event took place, Isaiah prophesied that it would happen. Micah offered a prediction that was both specific and startling. He said that the king would be born in Bethlehem and that he would come from the distant past. When you open your Bibles to Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, you read these words. But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, 
from everlasting. Micah said that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem and that that would not be his beginning, but they would have existed long before that. He had come from the past and he had been born, but he did not begin in Bethlehem. Hundreds of years before Joseph and Mary made their little trek, the 110 miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, hundreds of years before that happened, and Bethlehem was hardly in existence. It was just a little stopping place. The prophet Micah said, it's going to happen. It's going to happen here. And when it happens, it won't be the beginning of his existence. He will have come from the past, from eternity. Jeremiah, perhaps the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremiah prophesied that the birthplace of this coming one would suffer a massacre of infants. In the film, The Nativity Story, one of the most moving scenes is when the soldiers of Herod swoop down upon the city of Bethlehem with the intent of destroying all of the male children in the city. Jeremiah prophesied it would happen in chapter 31 of his prophecy in verse 15. We read, thus says the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and weeping, bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Rachel's tomb, according to tradition, is located near Bethlehem. And her weeping represents the overwhelming sorrow of the families of these slain infants. Perhaps you're not a veteran student of the word of God and you think, well, that's a very obscure passage you chose from Jeremiah, Dr. Jeremiah. Why would you choose such a passage? Are you really sure that's what it means? Well, I've chosen to trace this one a little more carefully than the other two so that you will understand how carefully this all fits together, this book we call the Bible. Look with me at Matthew's account of this tragic moment in the history of Israel. For in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 2 and verses 16 and 18, we have the story of what happened when the wise men were told to come back and tell Herod where Jesus was. And remember, they were warned not to do that and they didn't go back. So beginning in Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 and following, and I want you to follow this story carefully so you can connect it with Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. The New Testament draws a straight line back to Jeremiah and says, This is what the prophet was talking about in Jeremiah thirty-one fifteen, written hundreds of years before the massacre in Bethlehem. Why did Herod have all those babies killed? Because he feared that among them was a king who would become his rival. And the best way he knew to obliterate that possibility was just to kill all of the male children two years old and under. Can you see the picture that's emerging? It was as if many artists had drawn strange squiggles on paper separately. 
only to find out that when their fragments of art were put together on a single canvas, there was this portrait of a king who would come to this world and would be known as Jesus Christ. It was as if the picture was painted back here of what was going to happen over here. Nearly all the more than 300 prophecies of the Old Testament have already been fulfilled, with a few left to be fulfilled in Jesus' second coming. But every prediction concerning the first coming of Christ, every prediction concerning his birth and his childhood and all that would happen to him, every single prediction has been fulfilled in minute detail, and no one has been able to disprove it from that day until this. A mathematician calculated that the possibility of all of these Old Testament prophecies being fulfilled in one person is one in 83 billion. So Jesus came to be a man, to be the fulfillment of all of these things that were spoken of him from the Old Testament. But secondly, Jesus became a man to show us the Father. Now stay with me on this one and watch carefully. On one occasion, Philip was talking with Jesus in John 14, and he said, Lord, show us the Father, and it will be sufficient for us. And Jesus said to Philip, Philip, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me? Now listen to what he says at the end of this. Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. One of the most misunderstood things about this season of the year is the nature of the person who is actually being celebrated as far as his birthday is concerned. This is not just a wonderful man we're talking about. No, Jesus was God in a body. Jesus was God walking around in flesh and blood. The incarnation means that God was poured into the flesh of humanity. And so when Jesus came to this earth, he came for the purpose of showing us who God was. Now, how do you understand God if you cannot know any more about him than the Old Testament's description of him as God is spirit? You can know about him through the scriptures. Hebrews tell us that the prophets spoke of him. But the word, which is Jesus, has come to reveal to us who the Father is. If you want to know who God is, you need to know who Jesus is. Because Jesus teaches you who God is. Lee Strobel says that what Jesus was telling Philip was this. Philip, when you look at the sketch of God from the Old Testament, you will see the likeness of me. (laughs) When Jesus became a man, he proved that God is not merely a principle, but that God is a person. Jesus was not just some idea about God, not a picture of God, but God himself in human form. If Jesus had not come to this earth, we would never have had a correct understanding of God. We could not know what God is like. And he sent us his own son to reveal himself to us. He took pity on our ignorance and our inability to comprehend him. And he said, if you want to know what I am like, I will pour myself into humanity that you understand. And as you watch him, you will see me. So when you read the Gospels and you learn of Jesus and you study his life, you are taking a course in who God is. For Jesus came to reveal him to us. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 19 support this truth in a marvelous way. He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God. 
the firstborn over all creation. For it pleased the Father that in him, in Christ, all the fullness should dwell. Almighty God poured the Godhead into the body of Jesus. Jesus is God. The Apostle John, I think, explains it best when he writes these words in the prologue of his gospel. He says it this way. Listen. In the beginning was the Word. In your Bible, you'll notice the Word is capitalized. That's a word that speaks of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. And let's just put the word Jesus in there so we understand it clearly. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. And Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. In the beginning was Jesus, and yet Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Don't let anyone ever tell you that Jesus began in Bethlehem. He did not begin there. He had existed from time past, but he came into this form of humanity when he was born in Bethlehem. Historian William Barclay is in awe of this truth. And in one of his books, he writes these words, here was the shatteringly new thing that God could and would become a human person, that God could enter into this life that we live, that eternity could appear in time, that somehow the creator could appear in creation in such a way that men's eyes could actually see him. Jesus did not come to talk to men about God. He came to show men what God is like so that the simplest mind might know him as intimately as the mind of the greatest philosopher. When John says that Jesus dwelt among us, he uses a word that means to live in a tent. Military people would say he came to bivouac with us. (laughs) Or as theologians define, he came to tabernacle with us. And that's what Jesus did, isn't it? He came to be one of us. He came and moved in among us. So Jesus came to be a man to show us God as he really is. Once again, Barclay explains that before Jesus came, men could only grasp and understand God's nature and his ways in part. It was only when Jesus came that they saw fully and completely what God has always been like. Jesus is telling us that God was and is and ever shall be like Jesus. But men could never know and realize that until he came. Why did Jesus become a man? So that those of us who are men and women, who understand other men and women, would be able to understand God. When you see Jesus doing what he did in the Gospels, you are watching God at work. Do you want to know God? Get to know Jesus. That's why the only way you can become a Christian is to know Jesus, because Jesus is the way that you know God. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. If you want to know God, you have to know Jesus, because Jesus is God's revelation to you about himself. First of all, Jesus became a man to satisfy the prophecies of the Old Testament. Jesus became a man to show us the Father. Thirdly, Jesus became a man to save us from our sin. I love what Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.15. He says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world 
to save sinners, Paul wrote. And I'm the chief of them. Now, I got to tell you something. If Paul is the chief of sinners, we're all in trouble. Amen. That means that if Jesus came to save Paul and Paul considers himself the chief of sinners, then all of us here, we need to be saved. Every single one of us. And how could Jesus come into this world to save us? And why was it necessary? Why couldn't God from his throne in heaven make a sovereign decree of some sort that sin problem was over and that we would all be saved? Because in the nature of God's holiness and his justice, he had to become one of us so that as a representative of mankind, he could go to the cross and on our behalf pay the penalty that we deserve. If God paid the penalty for us, it would have been an edict, it would have been a sovereign act, but it wouldn't have been the ministry of redemption that the scripture speaks of and that the Old Testament portrays. We had to have a God-man to save us. A man couldn't do it. He would have no more power than any other man. And God could not do it in the sense of God the Father doing it without being identified with us in humanity. And I like to say it this way, and I've said this over and over throughout the years, that because he was God and man, he lifted up one hand and he took hold of the Father, and he reached down the other hand and he took hold of man. And at the cross, in a moment of time, he brought them together. And now with his hands reached out, he offers his salvation to all who will come. But he could not have done that had he not been God in the flesh. We needed Jesus to come to be our savior. If he had not come, we would be lost. God would not have saved us apart from the gift of his son. The awful price that was paid for us on Calvary is really the story of the cradle. Luke 19, 10 Jesus says, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. John the Baptist realized this when one day he saw Jesus coming in. He said, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Paul wrote about it in Ephesians when he said, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. My friends, if Christ had not come, the course of humanity would be one long, downward, hopeless trudge toward the eternal night of despair. But Almighty God interrupted all of that. He shut down the cycle of sin by sending Jesus to be our Savior. And if you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, it would be true to say that without knowing him, you cannot know God. And without accepting him, you cannot be forgiven. For that's the purpose for his coming, to forgive us of our sins. Just one of the several purposes that we're talking about in this first question and answer session. Why did Jesus become a man? Well, we're learning about that as we open our Bibles together and begin this series called Why the Nativity. There's a study guide for this series that you can get from Turning Point by going to our website, which is davidjeremiah.org. And the resource for the month is our year-end provision of a beautiful devotional guide for the new year. It's called Moments with God. It's in the tradition of what we've done in the years past with a brand new cover, new colors, new devotionals, all for the new year. And you can get your copy of this by simply sending a gift of any size to Turning Point. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the time of the year when we really need you to help us if you can. If Turning Point's made a difference in your life, if this has become part of your daily habit and you're, you're enjoying the teaching of the Word of God, we need you to jump in and help us so we can continue to do it and continue to grow and make this available across the world. So when you send your gift, your year-end special gift, ask for your copy of Moments with God. 
and it will be on its way. We have just finished part one of Why Did Jesus Become a Man? Tomorrow we'll conclude this question as we fill out the rest of the reasons why Jesus came. I hope you'll listen and be a part of tomorrow's lesson. And before we go, just a reminder, Why the Nativity, the movie, is now available, and you can go to whythenativity.org and get a listing of every place where you can get this movie for watching purposes. Also want to remind you that we have a special, special uh, opportunity for churches. Over 3,000 churches have already responded to host a Christmas night with their congregation using the movie as the centerpiece. Find out all about that when you go to our website today and sign your church up to have a wonderful night to discuss the real meaning of Christmas, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Hallelujah and amen. Thanks for listening today. We'll see you tomorrow. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Why the Nativity, please visit our website. There you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's 365-day devotional for 2023, Moments with God. It's a powerful tool for daily inspiration in the year ahead. Perfect as a gift or for your own study. And it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions. Get the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Why the Nativity? Here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Life is filled with moments, and to help encourage powerful moments with the Lord each and every day, Dr. David Jeremiah has written a new book called Moments with God. This beautiful, year-long devotional makes a wonderful companion to your personal Bible study. When you give a generous year-end gift of $120 or more to Turning Point, you'll receive a Moments with God devotional four-pack, one for you and three to share. Donate online at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. We celebrate Christmas every year, but have you ever wondered why? Why Mary? Why Joseph? Why a newborn king? In the film called Why the Nativity, Dr. David Jeremiah gives you a front row seat as you travel back in time to experience the sights and sounds of this pivotal moment, the birth of Jesus. Make this your new Christmas tradition. Why the Nativity is available to stream for free at whythenativity.org. Watch it today for free at whythenativity.org. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. The 19th century German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, famous for declaring that God is dead, 
was no friend of Christianity. According to him, Christians in his day gave him few reasons to be interested in the faith. Nietzsche once remarked, I would believe in their salvation if they looked a little more like people who have been saved. Saved, rescued, and delivered, all biblical words. They suggest a response of joy. Something bad has been avoided. Shouldn't we be people who manifest gratitude, relief, and joy? Shouldn't it be evident to others? Christians should ask themselves, do I look and live like a person who's been saved? This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's reasons to rejoice on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.